What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Milari. So happy July 4th to everybody out there. Hopefully everybody had a great day and got to enjoy it with their family and friends. Unfortunately, did have some rain here in Boston, but it did clear up, luckily, in time for the fireworks at night. So in today's episode, I'm going to give you guys a breakdown of what's going on in the MLB. And then at the end, I'm going to give you my power rankings so far just about one week before the All-Star Game in the MLB. So I'm going to start off with the Red Sox. They currently stand at 43-43 after a weekend sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays and a loss yesterday to the Texas Rangers. I had a feeling the Sox would win the series against Toronto. The Sox have been somehow finding a way to win. When everybody counts them out and they go on a bad stretch where they lose 5 of 7 games, 6 of 7 games, and then 3-7 in the last 10, they find ways to win. And that is another example this past weekend, playing Toronto, a team that's very highly regarded in the AL. Everybody loves that offense. Obviously, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is great. Matt Chapman's really good. Bo Bichette. I mean, that offense is just star-studded and filled with talent. So it makes sense that people would have them being an AL favorite. But the Red Sox, for some reason, they find ways to win against the better teams in baseball. And that's why going into this weekend series, I thought with everybody counting out the Red Sox, I thought they'd find themselves in this series and would have a, find a way to win. Ultimately, obviously, do get a weekend sweep, which is huge. I talked about it, I believe, on Saturday. I talked about the Red Sox and said that they won that Friday game. I gave a recap of that game. And now I'm telling you guys what happened in Saturday's game and Sunday's game. So let me break that down, and then I'll get into the Red Sox in their loss yesterday to the Texas Rangers. So let's start off with the Red Sox in their win on Saturday, 7-6 to over the Toronto Blue Jays. Cutter Crawford pitched very well on the mound on Saturday. Five and two-thirds innings pitched. Three hits allowed, two earned runs. Both of those coming off home runs. Had five strikeouts and two walks. Now with Garrett Whitlock's trip to the IL, I think Crawford's going to get himself even more opportunities in the starting rotation. Maybe even be the three heading into the all-star break. And if you look at the Red Sox rotation right now, you get Paxton, Bayo, and I'd say Crawford, honestly, is that third option right there, especially with Whitlock's injury, Hoke's injury, Chris Sale's injury. The Sox need somebody to step up, and Crawford definitely did that. I know Nick Pavetta's been pitching very well out of the pen. I'm going to get to him in just a minute. He could be a candidate to go back into the starting rotation. So in that win on Saturday, the Sox were just 2 of 12 with runners in scoring position, but they still got the win thanks to Rafael Devis, Justin Turner, and Masataki Yoshida. Turner was huge in the game, 3 for 5 at the plate with a double. Also hit his 13th home run of the season, which came in the ninth inning to give the Sox a two-run lead. Ended up winning the game 7-6, so that ends up being the game-winning run. He had three runs scored in the game as well, Turner, and also two RBIs. Then you'll get Rafael Devers, 3-for-5 in the game with a double, a home run, which he hit in the third inning. Two runs scored and three runs batted in. He's been finding ways to heat up at the plate as of late, which the Sox obviously need. And then Masataki Yoshida, the guy that's been hitting against Toronto all season, was 2-for-3 in the game on Saturday with the RBI and also hit by pitch as well, which actually made him exit the game, got hit in the knee. Ends up being okay, though, on the X-ray, and he would be just fine, luckily. Sunday, the Sox win 5-4. Jaron Duran had an incredible 5-for-5 game at the plate with four doubles and a single, also scored three runs. His first four bats of the game were four doubles. Four doubles in a row, then a single in his fifth at bat. Scored three runs as well. Duran's looked like a different player, and I'm very happy for him. I think he deserves it more than anyone. I'm going to get back into him in just a minute when I talk about yesterday's loss to Toronto. The game-winning home run in the game for the Sox on Sunday, where they won 5-4, as I said, came off the bat of Alex Verdugo, his sixth home run of the season, his first since May 1st. Came in perfect time to give the Sox a win. Another tough game for the Red Sox, though, with runners in scoring position. They were just 3 of 17 with runners in scoring position on Sunday. 3 of 17. 
So if you add up what they were on Saturday and Sunday with the runners in scoring position, the Sox were 5 of 29 with the runners in scoring position between the two wins on Saturday and Sunday. Luckily, the Sox win both those games by one run, but you're not going to win many games going 3 of 17 with the runners in scoring position. So that's something the Sox obviously have to get better at. Garrett Whitlock unfortunately exited the game with elbow tightness after just one inning. Went one inning, giving up one hit, one run, and had a strikeout. The one run he gave up came off of a home run off the bat of Brandon Belt. Rafael Davis terrorized the Blue Jays yet again. Another game where he was hot against them. He was 3-for-3 three three in that game with two runs batted in and two walks. So 5-for-5 five five on base in his five plate appearances. He was huge. And then Nick Pavetta was very good out of the bullpen. Very efficient outing for him yet again for the Sox in relief. He went four innings out of the bullpen, giving up just two hits, one earned run, six strikeouts, and two walks. He could be a candidate to add to the rotation for the Sox with all the injuries. Out of the bullpen, though, since May 21st for Nick Pavetta, since he got transitioned to the bullpen, 13 appearances in relief, 2.63 ERA with 31 strikeouts to 11 walks to 24 innings pitched, giving up seven earned runs in those 24 innings with a 131 opponent batting average and gave up just two home runs in those 13 appearances in 24 innings pitched. If you look at what he did as a starter, he gave up nine home runs in 40 innings pitched in eight games as a starter. Nine home runs in 40 innings. In relief, just two home runs in 24 innings as a reliever. So he's been much, much better out of the bullpen, which the Sox obviously need. So now I'm going to move on to the Red Sox and their loss yesterday on July 4th to the Texas Rangers in the start of this three-game series. The Sox were playing a Rangers team that started to get cold as of late. The Rangers 10-15 in their previous 25 games heading into the series. A slight bump in the road for this team, but I still think this team has the best roster in the American League. I'll still take them to win the AL as of now. The Rangers did just add a Rolls Chapman to their bullpen to get it to be stronger. Obviously, the bullpen has been an issue for them so far on the season. It's probably been their biggest weakness. So adding a guy like a Rolls Chapman is obviously huge. Chapman's had a decent season. He's 4-2 on the year with a great 2-4 ERA, two saves with 56 strikeouts and 31 and third innings pitched between the Kansas City Royals and Texas Rangers. So good add for them to their bullpen. So now I'm going to tell you what happened in yesterday's game. Jaron Durant led the game off with a triple for the Sox, and then he scored off the bat of Alex Verdugo, giving the Sox a lead at the start of the game, which was huge. Jaron Duran now up to 310 for his batting average on the season with a four home run total, 29 RBIs, 15 stone bases, an 856 OPS, and a 127 OPS plus. His last eight games, he's 13 of 27 at the plate with a 482 batting average, five doubles, an 852 slugging percentage, and a 1333 OPS heading into today's game, which is obviously huge. 482 batting average, 852 slugging, and a 1333 OPS heading into tonight's game with five doubles over his last eight games. Jaron Duran has been raking and at one point was 6-6 six six in his last six at-bats of the plate. As I said, he was 5-5 five five on Sunday, four doubles and a single. And then in yesterday's game, he led off the game with a triple. So he was 6-6 six six in his last six at-bats after his first at-bat of the game yesterday with five of those six hits being extra base hits. And now Durant is tied for third in the MLB in doubles with 26, which is very impressive. And keep in mind, he's played 13 less games than any of the seven players in the MLB with 25-plus doubles. 13 less games than any of the other seven players in the MLB that have 25-plus doubles. He deserves to be an everyday starting center fielder, and he should be starting over Adam Duvall every game if I was a Red Sox manager. He deserves it. 
Trevor Story will start a rehab assignment after the All-Star break. The Sox need him back in the lineup desperately. Looks like he'll be back at some point a month from now or so in August. Bobby Dahlbeck has been raking in AAA Worcester for the Worcester Red Sox. He's tied for 7th in home runs in AAA with 19 home runs on the season. Also hitting 295 for a batting average with two triples, a 1061 OPS, and a 451 weighted on base percentage. Good to see him finding himself and really developing there in AAA this season. I know he was called up three years ago now in 2020. Expectations were high, and he had a lot of good times and a lot of bad times as well. Showed a lot of good, showed a lot of bad. There's growing pains for young players. Hopefully Dahlbeck gets himself another chance for the Red Sox, and I think he'll hopefully take advantage of that like Jeremy Duran did this year. So the Sox are 4-6 in their last 10 games and desperately need to win tonight. On the mound for the Sox is Brian Bayo, who is 5-5 five five with a 3.08 ERA on the season with 67 strikeouts and 73 innings pitched in his 13 starts on the year. Bayo has given up two earned runs or less in 10 of his 13 starts this year and has given up three earned runs or less in 12 of his 13 starts this year. He started off the year with five earned runs in his first start of the season, and then his next 12 starts after that has given up three runs or less. And if you look at what his ERA would be without the first start of the year where he gave up five earned runs, it would be 2.56 rather than 3.08. So very impressive start of the season, half of the season, I should say, for Brian Bayo. He's looked great, has looked like a young pitcher, and the Red Sox desperately need a pitcher to build around, especially with all the injuries they have in that starting rotation. Bayo has been exciting and has given Red Sox fans something to look forward to on a weekly basis every time he is on the mound. So next up, I'm going to talk about the Los Angeles Angels. And what's been going on there? The Angels just cannot catch a break. And it's honestly a sad sight to see. I'm a big Mike Trout and Shohei Otani fan, so I root for the Angels. I actually watch a lot of their games every single night. I've probably watched five of seven games on a weekly basis. Let's say they play seven games in seven days. I typically watch at least five of those games and tune into them to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Unfortunately, the Angels just cannot catch a break. And over the last few days... Things have gotten worse for them. Starting out on Monday night, Mike Trout broke a hamate bone in his hand and now will be out until at least August, which is obviously a big loss for that Angels lineup. Then in yesterday's game, Anthony Rendon followed the ball off his leg in the fourth inning. X-rays on his left shin came back negative. And then Shoei Otani exited yesterday's start with a blister on the same finger he had a cracked nail. So Anthony Rendon in the fourth inning yesterday follows the ball off his leg has x-rays on his shin. Luckily, they come back negative, but he's going to miss some time. And then Shoei Otani exits yesterday's start with a blister on the same finger that he had a cracked nail on. He exited that game in the sixth inning, and right before exiting, he gave up back-to-back home runs for the first time in his career. And still, he's had a great season. 6.3 war wins above replacement on the year, which is obviously by far the best in the MLB. He will not pitch in the All-Star game, unfortunately, due to the injury. So if you look at the Angels' payroll, Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon both, both make $35 and $35.5 and million a year. And then Shohei Otani makes $30 million a year. So all three of those players combine for over $100 million per year. And they make up 44% of the team's payroll. And Rendon and, and Trout are definitely going to miss some time. Otani looks like he'll be back maybe for tonight. It is Otani's 29th birthday, so happy birthday to Shohei. Thank you for everything you do for the game of baseball. Obviously makes the game exciting. It's definitely grown the game. It definitely has gained a lot of fans over the last couple of years. But the point of what I'm saying is, with Trout, Otani, Andrew, and Donald Hurt, the Angels just cannot catch a break. I mean, those are your three highest paid players 
Obviously, Trout and Otani, two of the best players in the game of baseball, probably the two best talents in the game in my eyes. And they still cannot catch a break. Two best talents in the game, and they still cannot catch a break. So the Angels currently stand at 45 and 43. They've lost seven of the last 10 games and 12 of the last 20. They're 8 and 12 in their last 20 games, and they're currently four games back of the Yankees for the last wild card spot. So now it's up to other guys to step up. They don't have Gio Rochella for the rest of the season due to an injury. He's missing the rest of the way. And obviously now Mike Trout's out until at least August. And Rendon's going to miss some time. And then Otani should be back tonight. But you have Rochella out for the year. You have Trout missing time and Rendon missing time. So it's like this team is cursed, honestly. The best two talents in the game of baseball on the same roster and the Angels still have not made the playoffs with these two guys on the roster at the same time. And the saddest part is the last time the Angels won a playoff series was 2009. The last time they made the playoffs was 2014, where they were swept in three games to the Kansas City Royals. The last time they made the playoffs was 2014, and they got swept in that series. The last time they were above 500 was 2015. And they've had such talent over the years. Shelby Otani and Mike Trout now. Obviously, Rendon as well. Albert Pujols, Justin Upton, Torrey Hunter, Eric Ibar, Cole Calhoun, Jared Weaver, CJ Wilson, CJ Krohn. They've had a lot of talent over the years and just have not gotten lucky at all. And so now it leaves the question, do the Angels trade Shohei Otani at the trade deadline? And here's my perspective on it. If you know he's not going to come back no matter how much you offer him, then move on from him at the trade deadline. I think that's the best play there for the Angels. If they say to him before the trade deadline, we would love to bring you back and give you a blank check. Would you come back no matter how much we offer you? And let's say he says no, then you trade him. Moving him might be best for the future of the franchise and getting a great return back so he doesn't walk for free. But obviously it doesn't look good for the fan base. If you let him walk for free or if you trade him the deadline, fans aren't going to be happy no matter what. And that's a reality situation. Is I, I am still upset that the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts. Obviously, I think there was something going on there between the Red Sox and Mookie Betts. I think they were both far off in negotiations. And I think when the Red Sox management hired Hyam Bloom, I think what they said to him was, you have to find a way to trade Mookie Betts and get us the best return back possible. Since the Red Sox management probably thought Mookie's not going to come back no matter how much we offer him. So we might as well trade him and get something back for him with the last year of his deal still on contract. And I think this is a similar situation with Shohei Otani. If he's not going to go back to the Angels, then it might be best to trade him. But the way I see it, when you have that talent on your team, I think you still have to find a way to preserve him and hope. Just hope things work out for them and they turn things around and make the playoffs and then maybe he'll want to stay. I think Adi Miranda, the Angels owner, I think he would want to keep him, obviously. And I think the front office still wants to bring him back. And why wouldn't you? Obviously, the best talent in the game of baseball the modern-day Babe Ruth, and the best athlete in all of sports. So I think ultimately they'll keep him at the trade deadline, but it's obviously going to come down to whether or not they think he's going to come back. And so now you look at who's going to have to replace these guys in the lineup. Joe Adele was just recalled by the Angels a day or two ago now. He had a triple in last night's game and is only at bat. In the minor leagues this year, he has 23 home runs in AAA with 55 runs batted in, a two seventy one batting average, a nine fifty six OPS, and nine stolen bases. I like him to step up a breakout like Moniak has. Mickey Moniak has been great for the Angels this season. Obviously, limited playing time, but he's looked really good offensively and has been good defensively as well. Moniak has stepped up. 
and has put up better numbers. I think Adele has the talent, was a former top prospect, just like Moniak was. Adele was actually the number six prospect on MLB.com heading into the 2020 season. And even though things haven't worked out for him over the last couple of seasons, he's looked better in the minor leagues. I think this is a perfect time for him to step up and break out. And speaking of Moniak, he's been great for the Angels. 305 batting average on the year, nine home runs, 25 runs batted in, a 644 slugging percentage with a 983 OPS. Also hitting 333 with runners in scoring position. Unfortunately, he's been much better on the road, hitting just 206 at home at Angel Stadium on the year. Hopefully that, that obviously gets better. Considering he is the leadoff hitter, you need him to be hitting better than 206 on your home field. So we'll see what happens there. But obviously, you guys know I'm rooting for the Angels. I had them being a team that could potentially make a run. I said this last week that it was time to buy into the Angels. When things were looking good for them and they were winning a good amount of games in a row and Shohei was looking great on the mound and the plate. And you had Mike Trout starting to get back on track. And guys like Hunter Renfro and Brandon Drury starting to heat up and Mickey Moniak looking good. I thought it was a good time to buy into the Angels. And now, obviously, without Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, it's obviously not the same. It's not the same. And how would I have known that when I said that last week? I didn't, obviously. So, obviously, predictions are going to go your way sometimes and other times not. Most of the time, your hot takes will not go your way. So, now I'm going to give you a rundown of all my top teams in the MLB. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of my MLB power rankings. going to do it rather fast. So, I'll start off with the Atlanta Braves, 17-3 over the last 20 games, 25-5 over the last 30. Their dominance has been unmatched. This is a team that I thought was going to be really good coming into the season, like most people thought. But I never saw them being the best team in the major leagues yet again. And they're just doing it. They're finding ways to win. And a big part of that is obviously Ronald Acuna Jr., NL MVP favorite as of now, putting up video game numbers so far on the season. The number two team on my power rankings is the Texas Rangers. They have the best roster in the MLB, in my opinion. I think they win the AL as of now. Struggling as of late, though, 4-6 in the last 10 games, 10-10 and 10 in the last 20 games, and 15-15 in the last 30. Obviously, things aren't going well for them over the last 30. The last 20 or the last 10 have been pretty average over all three of those splits. But luckily, there is still a lot of baseball left to be played, and the All-Star break is coming. Speaking of two All-Stars, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, along with two other guys, will be starting in the AL starting lineup that the Texas Rangers. Corey Seager, only 54 games played on the season. He's hitting 347 with a 1010 OPS with 10 home runs and 50 RBIs. He's been great. Another MVP candidate, but this time in the AL. And then Marcus Simeon has been very good for them as well. 11 home runs, 56 RBIs, 280 batting average, and a 795 OPS on the season. And then the two other all-star starters are Jonah Heim, the catcher, and then also their third baseman, Josh Young, who's currently a favorite to win the AL Rookie of the Year. So third in my power rankings is the Tampa Bay Rays. 9-11 in the last 20 games and 17-13 over the last 30. They've been losing a little bit as of late. Obviously, 9-11 in their last 20 games is unlike what they were at the beginning of the season. They've come back down to earth just a little bit, but still a very good team. Probably, probably will be right there with the Texas Rangers when the AL pennant race comes around. Very good roster, obviously top three in the game of baseball. This team can definitely make a run to the World Series. Next up, fourth in my power rankings is the Los Angeles Dodgers. 47-38 overall on the year with a 500 record in the last 10 games and 20 games. And then the last 30, they have 14-16 and 16 in the last 30 games. So they're just about 500 over the last three splits of 10, 20, and 30 games. Similar to the Texas Rangers. But yet again, this team has the talent to get back on track, just like I think the same with the Texas Rangers. The Dodgers have the talent to get back on track. When you have two guys in your starting lineup, named Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, anything's possible. 
So they have the ability to turn things around and get back on track. I like a lot of talent on that team. Max Muncy has been finding ways to hit home runs this year, even though his batting average hasn't been great. James Oatman, a rookie I'm very high on, even though he's been struggling over the last couple months. He was very hot to start the season. He's been struggling, though, in the last couple months. I'm very high on him. I think he's going to be a great star one day to that lineup. And obviously, hopefully he turns things around for them. And then they obviously have a lot of injuries that you have to factor in. And one of them being Dustin May. They suffered a major blow yesterday with news that Dustin May is going to receive Tommy John surgery yet again and will miss the rest of this season and even some of next season as well. May was 4-1 and one on the mound this year in nine starts with a 2.63 ERA and has made just 20 starts over the last three seasons. A seven-win, five-loss record over those three seasons in those 20 starts with a 3.21 ERA. Next up is the Miami Marlins, 21-9 over the last 30 games. They, they flipped their season around. Unfortunately, though, Jazz Chisholm is back on the IL for them and now will miss even more time. He was on the IL already, came back, only played a couple games, and is now back on the IL for another stint. Luis Arise has been great at the plate for them. What a trade acquisition he's been. Owns the best batting average in the major leagues by far and has a chance at a 400 batting average on the season. Next up is the Baltimore Orioles, the sixth team in my power rankings. Such a great young core that is, has even more talent coming in soon. They have struggled as of late, 4-6 and six in the last 10 games, 9-11 in the last 20, 15-15 in the last 30. So similar to the Dodgers and the Texas Rangers, all three teams are mediocre and about 500 over those three splits of 10 games, 20 games, and 30 games. They'll figure things out. They'll get back on track and heat up. Very young core, and they're going to dominate the AL for years to come once those prospects do come up. Number seven in the power rankings is the Houston Astros. Seven and three in the last 10 games. They have found ways to turn things around as of late. Even with all their injuries, they're starting to win games yet again. And obviously, always going to be a favorite to win the AL in the World Series with how star-studded that lineup is. Next up is the eighth team, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Quite a surprise this year with how good they've been. They are 4-6 in the last 10 games, though, and 9-11 and in the last 20. Slight bump in the road on an exciting season that nobody really saw coming. Have them as 8th in my power rankings. Ninth as the Cincinnati Reds. Very young and exciting team yet again. Ellie De La Cruz, ever since he's come up, they've looked like a different team. Matt McClain's been great for them as a rookie as well. A lot of young prospects coming up for them. Another team to watch out for for the future. And then number 10, finishing out the top 10 in the power rankings, is the Milwaukee Brewers. 46-40 and 40 overall on the year. And they have, they have found ways to turn things around over the last 20 games. So that's my breakdown of my power rankings. And that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. And hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.